Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here, joined by someone who I'm facing in our home league championship this week. It's the Doc, a.k.a. Eric Mendelson. And before he even says anything, that is the only thing I'm saying about our matchup because if I even utter a word otherwise, it's going to be called the jinx. So I will not say another word. I would just like to say that David is the most sensitive person. You can't say anything remote that would be a jinx because then he turns into a high school girl and complains. But he doesn't have a problem doing it the other way around. And as of now, we are tied in our matchup in a points league. It's 168 to 168 on Thursday, uh, September 23rd. Matchup ends on Sunday. I don't think I've ever played you in a championship of any fantasy league we've ever done, whether whatever sport it is. So Let me just of- say, in, in one, in like a 10-minute span, Aaron Nola went from being my guy to somebody I will never draft again. <laughs> You're already questioning drafting him again just with the ups and downs he's given you all season. He's given me the ups when I need them, but the down is when I didn't. Yeah, it's it's very stressful, the playoffs for sure. Uh, so by the next week we record, one of us is going to be here super happy. The other one's going to basically want to leave the show. So uh, just be ready. <laughs> That's not going to be a fun conversation for one of us next week. But of course, you're not interested in our home league. You're interested in what's going to happen on the show today. And, and what's happening is our waiver wire league winner show. So the last two weeks of fantasy baseball season is underway. The crew wants to help you win a league title. Now, of course, you need a roster filled with studs to get you to this point. But it's the moves that you make at the end of the season that could give you those few extra points or help you in those certain categories that will ultimately win you a chip. So maybe it's like an Aaron Ashby, who up to this point has been absolutely fantastic. And then all of a sudden, gives up two runs and gets a loss in the championship week. So people like that, that might either make or break you. Today, we're going to identify some of those pitchers and hitters that could be league winners for you. After that, we'll go to our bullpen for our question of the week. Which MLB player will be the next analyst on a major network? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. Of course, we are also going to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend from Roto Fanatic, one of the best brains in the business, Mr. Paul Mamino. So that will also be coming. But if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! All right, so not we're a little bit light as far as news and notes, which finally at the end of the season is a good thing here. Cardinals surging to a playoff berth after a big September winning streak. They are now in the driver's seat for one of the wild card spots here. 
Opening day starter Jack Flair is expected to be activated from the IL to start the second game of tomorrow's doubleheader. He's been out uh, with a shoulder strain since August 25th. The Orioles are going to retain manager Brandon Hyde for at least next season, according to Dan Connolly of The Athletic. But right now, there's not really any guarantee after next season. I think they're obviously not much they could expect from him with a roster that has a ton of holes in it. Shane Bieber is going to return to the Indians or the Guardians to start. I feel like, yeah, we never call them the Guardians. Like, they're, that's their team name. Yeah, it's weird. I, you hear podcasts and, and like half of them still call them the Indians and don't correct themselves. The other half call them the Guardians. It's to me, I don't even know what to do at this point. But uh, either way, Shane Bieber's coming back to start Friday's game against the White Sox, according to interim manager DeMarlo Hale. And it's going to be his first appearance since June 13th. Padres announced they've designated Jake Arietta for assignment. He's tossed 12 and a third innings over four starts for them, which was interrupted briefly by an IL stint to a hamstring strain, but he was tagged for 16 runs, 15 earned over his time with the Padres. Lackluster strikeout and swinging strike rates, and obviously does not look like he is much for the big leagues at this point anymore. Maybe he gets turned into a reliever, kind of a Garrett Richards type. Maybe they use him for like a two or three inning thing in the back of the bullpen. And that that revives his career. But at this point, he seems like he's done as a starter. Would you agree, Doc? Yeah, I think he's been done the last couple of years. I mean, he can't even throw more than like 70 pitches now. Yeah, I think. I haven't been that David Price role. Yeah, I mean, just eat innings at the back of the bullpen, never see the batting order more than once. The Athletics uh, trying to vaguely keep their playoff hopes alive at this moment could receive a boost. From an unlikely source, and that's going to be Chris Bassett, who's expected to make his return tonight. Against he already the, did. Oh, did the game already happen? I thought it was the, the game already happened. He was pulled after three innings. What was his final line? Uh, he had. Let me pull it up for you real quick because he great. didn't start him. This is because he didn't start him. But in, in in Go typical ahead. Chris Bassett fashion, three innings, one hit, one walk, four Ks, coming off a facial fracture. So underrated, Chris Bassett. I would have started him if I knew he was going to get the full workload, but I knew it was going to be a baby, a baby job here. And I'm not using one of my starts with a guy that was going to pitch a couple innings. So I just stashed him so you couldn't take him. But Chris Bassett, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit too late for your fantasy team. If you're playing into the championship next week, if you have a championship next week, he should be able to give you a start next week, hopefully the full length uh, for Chris Bassett there. And then lastly, the Dodgers announced they've placed outfielder Cody Bellinger on the 10-day IL retroactive to September 18th to a left rib fracture. Apparently, it's not as serious as it sounds, and it's something they probably will expect him back and be ready for the postseason. Do they even want him back, though? He's awful. Yeah, it, he's one of the biggest mysteries of this season, and I'll be just to see where his draft stock is as far as where is he going in draft. Is he going, like, third round? Would you guess, Doc, if you had to say today? And just oh, no, no third round. Like. Yeah, we don't put into context how awful he has been for the majority of this season. Like, he has hurt you more than he's helped you. I can't imagine anything earlier than a fifth round ADP. I don't know. I think as he's going to be one of those guys that as the, if you draft early of this offseason, he's going to maybe be like around that range. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that rises up as the offseason goes on. He's going to be one of those guys that reports come out. He had this injury. And if you look, he's swinging a bat. He says, like, this wasn't right. This wasn't good. Like, there's going to be a lot of deep dives on Cody Bellinger. But he's already had a lot of injuries, which I feel like would ding his ADP even more. Can you imagine spring training comes next year? And we know plenty of people draft 
during the spring training time. That's when most of the drafts happen. And he were to come out there and hit 400 in spring training with three home runs, four home runs. That ADP is going back to the second round. And I would be shocked if it's not a second round. Do you, uh, you yeah, don't agree but, with that? Yeah, but you're expecting him to have unreal stats in spring training. If he hits 270 with three bombs, 12 RBIs in spring training, maybe he's fourth round. But I think player, I think active people in the community know how bad his slumps can be. And they happen frequently that you don't want to invest a high pick on him. Doc, I will make a uh, friendly bet with you here that he does not go past the third round in any drafts that you do. I mean, let's see how it is at the end of the year. If he has a really good playoff, he'll have the Randy Ro- Rosarena bump. Yeah, I just don't I don't see it. I think people will buy, kind of like Christian Yelich, how he was a second-round pick this year. I think third round is where he'll settle in, and it could go up depending on how he does. But anyway, if you enjoy hearing debates back and forth from the Doc and myself, and you enjoy all the content of Triple Play Fantasy and want to hear more of what we got here, please check out all the great things going on at the Triple Play Fantasy Network. We've got our football and basketball podcast, of course. Check out the shows, the Super Fantasy Bros, and the Tripwire, if you like football. Between the Seams with Marty and Mac just finished up their, uh, it was their season ender with uh, their waiver wire pickup show. It's great content if you enjoy that type of work there. If you like the shorter work, you can check out Coach's Corners, Fantasy Foodies, Movie Minutes on our YouTube channel. If you like writing, there's a ton of great articles always coming out at TripPlayFantasy.com. And make sure you stay in the know by following the social media account at TripPlayFantasy. Did you guys know that every that over 90% of Americans have some drink with caffeine in it every single day? That makes caffeine the most popular drug in the United States. And among those users, there's one group in particular that I'm disgusted by. That is the group that isn't subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy podcast. Now, Dad always said, Never trust someone willing to stand in line for their caffeine, paying 4 to $5 for a drink that would just basically justify you sucking down fat and sugar with reckless abandon and won't give you any type of gains. So rectify that today by using that money to skip the lines and do something good for yourself by paying those people who give you great fantasy advice at Triple Play Fantasy, where we're worth $5 of information at least, and that's no cap. And David, gonna- before, before we get into that, what, guess what Cody Bellinger is hitting for the year? Like 179? 159! Oh, Worse okay. than you thought! <laughs> that's fine. Everybody's a down year. Anyway, we're going to jump in to our waiver wire league winners with Paul Mamino right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita! Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, damn. That was a hell of an intro. I, I feel energized right now. Holy crap. Shout out to the greatest greatest in the game right now any type of video work that you need done that is mr stephen johnson and stephen roto on twitter one of the nicest guys and one of the most talented dudes out there uh what a way to start the show can't thank him enough for that intro right there doc how are you feeling tonight man it's uh, another thursday back doing another podcast just like it like always how are uh, how are you doing this evening you know doing well man uh gonna see the o's play tomorrow for the last time for the season I expect probably 50 people because they're playing the Rangers. 50 might be generous. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And um, I just realized I totally forgot to uh, 
give you my answer if I was going to the game or not, and I'm probably not going. So there you I go. Li- yeah, there you go. Live, live. Uh, my answer to your ever so uh, popping question there. But we're not here to talk about the Orioles game because we lose a lot of viewers here. But instead, we're going to talk about something that's going to gain a lot of viewership to this episode. And we welcome in a man that you could call a young Frankenstein because he's the creator of a monster. A fantasy baseball analyst for Rota Fanatic, a member of the FSWA, and the creator of the Data Monster, this man can do more with numbers than you can do with your calculator. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not the GM Bino, but he's one better. It's Paul Mamino. How's it going, my friend? Doing well, man. Looking uh, Looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on. That was a hell of an intro for me. Of course, man. You are incredibly smart, a very bright individual with uh, fancy baseball. Not everybody's great with numbers. I've gotten better as I've kind of dove more into this over the last couple of years, but I know no matter what I do, I will never be the level you're at. I, I want to ask you specifically about is it the data monster or the data monster? I mean, you can say whatever one you feel more comfortable with. I don't really have a strong opinion either way. Okay, good. I want to make sure because <laughs> you are the creator of it, so I want to make sure in case there was a preferred way, but... Nah. Can you tell people that are not familiar with the data monster what exactly it is and how it's going to help them with their fantasy teams? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of a series of different statistics and some research that I've done that kind of come as a couple different general ideas. But the main point behind it is essentially that every every pitch thrown has an inherent value, whether that's Ooh. a fastball down the middle. You know, how how often do we expect that pitch to be hit? How swung at at least? swung and missed at and how hard does that pitch get hit when it does actually get put in play right so if i throw a bunch of fastballs down the middle and i get a bunch of swings and misses on that that means that my fastball is pretty impressive versus a guy who throws his fastball strictly up in the zone and gets swings and misses there so it kind of tries to separate the location side of things versus the kind of stuff side of things is the way that i look at it so every pitch has a value of what we expect to happen based on every pitch that's thrown in that location And then we see what actually happens for a given pitcher. And we kind of parse the numbers out that way. And we can get a bunch of different statistics on uh, guys who generate more swings and misses than we'd expect. And those are guys that kind of have really elite stuff that you you can see it physically, you know, ball breaks a lot, things like that. And then we have the guys who don't do that as well. And that kind of the pitch to contact guys. But you have guys who might always throw to the corners of a zone or to the top of the zone. And they're able to kind of use their command. So it, it helps us to separate between those stuff and command pitchers. Now. I see you tweet out a lot of the daily kind of what it's spitting out. The best DFS DFS plays are the team stacks. Have you found that they've been very successful so far? Have you had people reach out to you telling you that they've taken down a GPP or something with the data monster? Uh, not necessarily that that level of success. I've had I had a lot of people early on reach out about um you know that they were using it for strikeout props, and that was kind mm. of I think the the biggest one. I like that. So you know you can kind of see what offenses line up, guys. Offenses that swing and miss more often, pitchers that generate a lot more, and where you can kind of see some spikes. So I've definitely had some people reach out to me about from the betting side of things. I think you have a new uh, subscriber there <laughs> over in, in the doc. He seems very interested. Hey so. man, those strikeout props are addicting, man. They're like. <laughs> I was yeah, gonna no. say they're like I was gonna say they're like Coke, but I've never done Coke, so I don't know if it's addicting <laughs> or not. Are we go, we're going from about the data monster to Coke. I don't know what. what <laughs> yeah, I, that yeah, I I, uh, I forgot this is for kids. Sorry, kids. Yeah. Talking about Coca Cola. There we go. Uh, but yeah, it's great stuff. And again, Paul is one of the brightest guys. It, it takes someone that is very good with numbers and someone that has a lot of patience too, because I'm sure that's obviously not something you can do overnight, or even a week. That was probably months and months in the making, I'm sure, to do that. Yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. And kind of the the thing that I found interesting about it was when I started 
the whole idea was to try to quantify plate discipline a little bit better um, and try to say, like, you know, if a guy gets a bunch of swings and misses out of the zone, is he getting is he getting someone to chase a ball in the dirt or is he just kind of getting someone to swing at a pitch that's just off the plate? But it's still quanti- you know, it's still qualified as at his own swing or something like that. And as I kind of went through it, it slowly evolved and it, and it kind of kind of took on a mind of its own and, and it was slowly just adding on to it as I went and trying to see what more things I could learn. Yeah, and again, it's 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 ever evolving, and it's again a very good, useful tool that I think is gained traction to become even more and more relevant in the fantasy baseball industry. So if you've not checked it out, it's on rotofanatic.com. That's the easiest way to find it, right? Yep, yep. You can go to app.rotofanatic.com, or you can go to the the homepage, and you'll find a drop down for the data monster there. All right, I love it. I love it. Well, we need that big brain from Paul with a very important subject, and that's the waiver wire league winners. So tonight. Technically, it's the last two weeks, week and a half of most fantasy baseball seasons. So we need to help people win a league title. I think that's the best thing as a fa- as a fantasy analyst, if you want to call us that here, because if you don't win yourself, hearing other people say, hey, this move that you helped me with, I picked this guy up and they carried me to a championship with how great they did. That's an awesome feeling. So we're trying to replicate that and help you guys out tonight to basically give you those extra points or help you in a certain category to win you that championship. So we're going to look at some pitchers and some hitters that could be those league winners for you. Both Paul and Doc are each going to give you two pitchers and two hitters. I might throw something in there, depending if there was one I wanted to add and see their thoughts on. So let's start out with the pitching side first. Paul, who's a pitcher down the stretch over these last couple of weeks that you're looking to add for this last little playoff push? Yeah, going, going into this, I was trying to find some maybe low-owned two-star mm-hmm. guys because you know we only have so many more days. And one of the big things when looking at that, that that I've been talking to a bunch of people about. I have a friend who always reaches out to me and we, we talk about his matchups every single week is a lot of these guys are going to get shut down late or offenses that look good. Um, you know, you might want to avoid Houston Astros, but they might not be putting their full lineup out towards the end of the week. So when you're looking for that, but the big thing that, I, uh, the first one is Miles Mikolas. Um, he's been pretty good since the last couple outings. Um, he's got Milwaukee and the Cubs in his last two outings. Milwaukee's a good offense, but you know, they might be resting some guys. They might be getting some days off. And I think he's one of those guys that he was, he struggled a ton when he first came back. And I think the numbers look a little bit better. He's probably not going to you know, rack up a ton of strikeouts, but he could be a guy that goes deep into a game for you and gets, puts you in line for a win or two potentially. And, and maybe some quality starts if you play in quality starts leagues. Yeah. I mean, you're not kidding about the strikeouts. He averages five and a half Ks per nine. Uh, but again, the, you know, the ERA 415, the expected ERA and FIP. A little closer to four and a half, but a guy that can eat innings for you, a guy that can be stable for you, and a guy that's going to, like you said, be available down the stretch ultimately because as guys are getting shut down, he's a guy that they're going to run out there as they're competing for that uh, that wild card spot. So you yeah. know he's going to be in there. And his home runs per nine, barely over one, so he's keeping the ball in the yard too. So I think that's a, a great call with Miles Mikolas. Doc, who's the first pitcher that you're looking at here down the stretch? Well, he has a great first name, and it's because it's the same as mine, and that's Eric Lauer. And, you know, somebody got that's just been a jag for a lot of his career, but I look at his four starts in September. He's 2-0 with a 1.12 ERA, a 6-23 to walk-to-strikeout ratio. That's over almost 25 innings, averaging a K per nine. Not glamorous, but certainly better than Miles Mikolas. He has a home outing versus the Mets in his next lineup, and the Mets have a lot of people with uh, high K rates, Pete Alonso. Javi Baez, Jonathan Villar has been playing for them every day. So if you're doing the strikeout props for Eric Lauer, he has a pretty good matchup. Not saying that you are, 
but he's somebody that I would feel confident rolling the rest of the year. And it's not even just this in September. Obviously, September two and zero with a one hundred nine ERA. But if you look ever since June, July, two two one ERA in August, uh, three ERA. Obviously, a one ERA this month. So it's pretty much been kind of over his last twelve starts here, pretty much. And he he has like a a two point two one ERA on the road this season. Like it's weird that he has a higher ERA at home. But you figure, I mean, he he might be with the best pitching rotation with Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Bar- or Corbin Burns, like they might be sharing some secrets with him. They might, you know, give him a little bit of insight. You never know. No, you're, that's right. That's one of the things I think that kind of gets under the radar here is when you're pitching with guys that either have a really good particular pitch and they teach it to others or they have a good approach or a way of attacking hitters that they share. Uh, that can go a long way. And right now with Eric Lauer, it's really helping out down the stretch. He's a guy I feel like most people will feel comfortable Thrown in the lineup, their lineup, and he's a lefty too. So the fact that he's a lefty always helps his cause. Obviously, a lot harder for right-handed hitters to pick up a lefty. So good call with Eric Lauer. Let's talk about another pitcher here, and I want to go back to Paul. Is there another pitcher that you feel confident down the stretch, whether it's two starts that they're going to get innings that you want to recommend the people? Yeah, one of the um, I was looking at it when I was trying to come up with this, and it was kind of it's it's difficult, especially when you get late in the season finding when guys are actually going to be starting and when they're going to be starting. But according to roster resource, he's not supposed to start next week, but everything else kind of lines up for him is Brady Singer. Singer's been really good since coming back from uh, his injury that he had. I think in five of his last seven starts, he's given up three earned runs or less, and he's had five or more Ks in six of those seven. I was He was a guy I was buying into a ton early this season because he shows an elite skill, kind of like uh, Eric, we were talking about um, Aaron Nola before we started this. Both of them have the ability to... Uh, generate a ton of called strikes. And I think Singer's done that for most of his first career so far. And it's really elite, actually. And it's a skill I think we don't appreciate enough of. But he's had some struggles this year, allowing a ton of hits, allowing some big innings, uh, kind of walking too many guys. But I think he's kind of going into a good way to finish the season. And he's a guy I was looking for next year. So if he's going to get at least one start or potentially even two next week, he's a guy I think you could pick up. All right, Paul. We're laying the cards out on the table right now. You're tied going into the final day of your championship matchup. Brady Singer is your pitcher. Are you playing him? Do you, do my, does my opponent have anyone else? Uh, it's a mystery. They're going <laughs> to play somebody. You have the option of playing Brady Singer, or it, it's like behind door number one is Brady Singer. Behind door number two is somebody else that you could pick up, potentially whoever's available. Are you yeah. comfortable behind door number one or want the mystery box? I'll take Brady Singer. I, I know what he is skill-wise. Do I feel super confident that he's not going to allow <laughs> ten hits? No, but I I know I like the skill set that he has. Okay, well that's the that's the ultimate confidence. If you resist door number two to take, but you know behind <laughs> door number one, so uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I think if anything from this, I'm gonna watch Brady Singer down the stretch. <laughs> I've been watching Brady Singer. I like him. He's got yeah, two he, pitches. He's got good command. He just doesn't have that third pitch and. A lot of times he ends up kind of falling behind hitters too much, and that's what he'll You know what? You want to root for him, though. With his signing bonus, he paid off his parents' debt. Is that what he did? I didn't know I did. Yeah, this was like three years ago when he yeah. first got drafted. A good kid. I feel like the Royals pitchers in general are just very, like, they have a good, you know, kind of Daniel Lynch did it not too long ago, where they have, like, a very good stretch, and then they kind of revert back, and then they have a good stretch, give you a tease. But, yeah, maybe the stretch that he's on finishes out the year, and then you don't have to worry about it till next year. So, We'll definitely ride with that positivity. I like it. Doc, give us one last pitcher to look at here. 
So for me, it's Paolo Espino, and we're recording this Thursday night. He has a matchup tomorrow at Cincinnati. So when this podcast comes out, <laughs> hopefully he had a good game. But if not, uh, he has one more start for the season lined up against most likely the Rockies, um, barring anything pushed back. But I let, I look at him. He's allowed three earned runs or less in five of, out of his last six appearances, a 9-32 to 32 walk to strikeout numbers. He has six consecutive starts with five plus Ks. Now, the thing about him that I'm worried is that he gives up home runs in, in bunches. There's been th- uh, two games in the last, I think, seven outings where he's given up three separate or three home runs. So you do worry about that, especially in Coors Field. But this is a guy that's 34 years old that prior to his stint with the Nationals this year has how many innings has he pitched? About four, 53. So this season alone, he's pitched 102, which is almost double the amount. I think he wants to show that he belongs on an MLB roster next year. I think it's more of a storyline narrative that he's going to try and finish out the season strong so he can get a contract for next year. What's gotten into the Nationals pitchers? Let's just stay on this for a second. You have obviously bringing up Paulo Espino. But Josh Rogers just pitched a gem the other day. Eric, Eric Fetty looks good. I mean, usually against the Marlins, but you know, Eric Fetty's still been obviously a, a value for you down the stretch. Josiah Gray, I know, had a couple bad starts, but just pitched great yesterday. Is it just that they're in a weird stretch where all of a sudden their stars are looking good? Is there, if you're a Nationals fan, I know Doc's a Nationals fan. Paul, are you kind of hopeful that this rotation can kind of carry this into next year, or do you think that they're just very inconsistent and in that? Maybe from outside of Josiah Gray, you're not too big on any of these guys in 2022. I, I've used Fetty a decent amount in in streaming and things like that this year, and I feel like he's kind of been a guy wherever he has a good matchup, he doesn't pitch too well, and then when he has uh you know what looks like a bad matchup on paper, he throws well. So I feel like him and Alec Mills are the two guys that I've kind of had bad luck with when I start them. But I think Gray is kind of the only one I'm really that interested in going into mm-hmm. next season. I think. Um, I, I really like Gray's skill set. I think, you know, he's gonna, a lot of people are gonna be scared off by the home runs he's allowed and kind of the loud contact. But I think he's kind of shown a lot of skills that pretend to elite pitchers. So he's a guy I'm definitely interested in. I think the other guys are kind of all gonna end up being kind of waiver fodder and, and some things like that. But I think that there's something too when you have a bunch of guys with those kinds of not necessarily elite skill sets pitching well down the stretch. Is it crazy to think he could be their opening day starter next year? You have Patrick Corbin, who I don't think has shown any reason you should have him as your ace come opening day if, if for some reason Strasburg is not ready to go. Is Josiah Gray the opening day starter? I, I feel like they give it to Fetty. I feel like they give it to Fetty. Uh, it's, it's, it'll be Corbin, probably. Like it, it will be because <laughs> of his contract. Yeah, you know he's the veteran guy who started on opening day before. I feel like you're not going to throw a a guy with what 50 innings out on opening day. Yeah, that's probably depends. Right maybe it depends who your matchup is. If they're playing the Marlins, <laughs> maybe. But if they're facing <laughs> a, a good, good point. yeah. But if they're facing the Dodgers, they'll be like, ah, right, yeah, we don't want to get your confidence down right away. <laughs> Let's just let Patrick Corbin give up eight or runs and just soak that up. All right. Well, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about some hitters. I'm going to go to Doc first here. Doc, who is one of the hitters that you would like to let the people know that they should either stream or that they need to make sure they add for the stretch run here? So for me, I'm staying with the Nationals, and it's Lane Thomas, a guy they got at the trade deadline who basically didn't look like anything for the Nation- or for the Cardinals. He's only 25 years old. He's batting leadoff. 
He's hitting 291 since August, which has brought his average up for the season for 242. So if you look at his numbers from a whole, they don't look good. But if you look at the past month and a half, it's been much better. His walk percentage is at an all-time high at 14.5%. Hey, and did you say high? <laughs> <laughs> all-time high. And he has six home runs in 156 plate appearances with the Nationals. He had five in his major league career prior. He steals bases. I think now that he has an everyday at everyday role for the most part, and he's hitting leadoff, he's going to get the plate appearances. And we talk, kind of talked about the resurgence with the hitting, there or with their pitching. The hitting's kind of looked a little bit resurged as well. So I'm going to ride him the rest of the season. He'll give you a couple of steals as well. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that he's probably in their plans for next year as far as they're not, unless they add a bunch of pieces here, but he's got 217 plate appearances. So if you expedite that by around the 600 that you get in a full season here, that six, he's got, you know, his six home runs, 18 around, you know, maybe 65, 70 RBIs and 15 stolen bases with a league, uh, average, a league wide average batting average. So I think that that'll play. He's definitely it, could be, uh, a, a he could be, piece. he could be the NL Robbie Grossman. The NL Robbie Grossman. I mean, I don't know if he walks enough to be the NL Robbie Grossman. I, 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 no, so, he does walk 14.5%. That's I was going to say, I, I, I figured that's going to get a little bit of a bump. But somebody, like, I, I didn't want to say a better Miles Straw because that would be an insult. But like a poor man's Robbie Grossman. He's going to be someone in a five outfielder league that if he's starting for them next year. I think we'll have some use as you draft as your fifth outfielder kind of towards the end of your drafts. I think, and again, that potential, you know, 12 to 15 stolen base upside he could give you too is going to be someone in roto leagues that you will see be drafted. And he'll be somebody that if you miss out early on, you could grab some later. Uh, so I think Lane Thomas is definitely somebody that is useful down the stretch and he could be useful in 2022. So we'll have to see how the Nationals, if they add pieces to that outfield mix to, to muddy that up a little bit here. Paul, who's the first batter you would like to talk about? The first guy I wrote down was uh, Jose Siri, who's probably on his like seventh post-type prospect type of thing. But uh, in the last two weeks in playing for the uh, Astros, he's been getting kind of on and off playing time. He's got four homers and two stolen bases. I think he's a guy who could find his way into uh, the lineup for the last week as they give some more guys some days off here and there, some rest time. And I think he's a guy... It's hard to find guys with his kind of power and speed combination late. So he could be someone who swipes a couple bags and puts a ball or two out and kind of pushes you beyond where you want in the last week. Yeah, he's one of those names that's popped up on a lot of shows. Is fun. Again, this is where you can separate a lot of the fantasy football players from the fantasy baseball players. (laughs) And someone like Jose Siri is not going to be noticed, but he's going to get the playing time and he's he's there and he's somebody that the Astros are going to put in their lineup a lot uh, because they might be resting their regulars more too. So he's somebody, again, keep an eye on down the stretch here as we close out the season. Doc, let's go back to your second hitter. And who did you write down? So he's not as much under the radar, but if for some reason he's available, I would definitely make a move for him. And that's Austin Hayes. He sits safely in nine out of, out of his last 10 games. For the season, his barrel percentage is up from 4% in 2020 to 9.6% this year. The hard hit percentage from 31.3 to 40.2. Both of those are career highs. But most importantly, I look at the remaining schedule they have, and they have a homestand against the Rangers this weekend, then a homestand against the Red Sox, and then they play at Toronto. And 12 of his 21 home runs this season have come at home. So factor in that 66, you know, 
ish percent of the games he has at home and he's been on a hot streak. I mean, he could be that guy that has a really great four or five home run week and helps you win your league. Yeah, that's a good call there. I agree. Uh, he is, again, not necessarily under the radar, like you said, but somebody that will help you get to where you need to be. I think he's only owned in like 53% of ESPN leagues. Uh, well, if you're going on the 50% threshold, then you definitely did not follow directions. If I did put that. I, you, know, I, you know what, though? It was very close to it. It was very close to it. I just had to give a shout that's out. Like, that's the definition of like if you're at a checkout line and it says 20 items and you put 25 on there. Then and what do you do? <laughs> you know what I do, but. Well, Paul, I know this is off topic. If you are at a checkout line that says 20 items or less and you have 23 items, do you do it? Yeah, definitely. I find I find some way to pretend that the same item counts as two or something or one. Yeah. 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 I think there's like a, a three to five item window out. Like if it's more than 25, I won't do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's like if you have like two bags of carrots. Yeah, that's like, one item. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so okay, so it was, it was fifty, and I went with fifty-three. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm kind of arguing against me and for you. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's go. Let's pick, I'll talk about one last hitter, Paul. Who's the last hitter you wanted to bring up? Uh, I originally wrote down Lane Thomas, but I'm glad I actually wrote a third guy down too because um, I go with the kind of post hype guy again is Lewin Diaz. Um, he's hit three homers in the last two weeks since coming back up, and I feel like every time he gets called up. Uh, fantasy baseball Twitter kind of freaks out and says, now it's the time he's going to take over. This is his job and everyone loves him. I feel like this last time it was almost like everyone gave up at this point because it's been pretty rough the first few times through. I don't think you're going to get a ton of batting average help from him, but he is the kind of guy who I think could get hot and could put three, four out kind of like we were talking about with Hayes, like the same kind of thing. He could put a bunch of balls out late, uh, and kind of push you from, you know, one spot ahead if you're, or if you're in a head to head lead, kind of help you win the category. Yeah, I mean, he's got six home runs and, and 90 plate appearances this year. And some of the Marlins have been mixing in well here. Some Again, the, I feel like the Marlins hitters can be very streaky. And he's somebody that, again, if, if he's hot for, he's got three home runs in September. So, again, somebody that you're looking for. At this point, you're not looking for season long. Again, as kind of what we prefaced here, you're looking for someone who's hot at the right time. And this is a guy that seems like he's hot at the right time hitting 283 in the month of September as well. And uh, somebody that could be definitely be a boom for your fantasy team here. I want to bring up a couple other names to you guys. If you guys have any thoughts on them, obviously, if you don't care, you can just give me the, like, throw it away sign or something. But uh, Frank Schwindel is not... If you're following fantasy baseball at this point, he's already picked I, I was gonna. I was <laughs> thinking about saying him, but I was like, okay, Frank Schwindel... That's too obvious. Austin, That that's like the cutoff I had. Yeah, I, I think uh, just a name. If Frank Schwindel is in your league, we don't need to go over this too much. If he's in your league, go get him. The, most competitive leagues he's already picked up, but the casual players, go get Frank Schwindel. He definitely will help you there. But some, let's talk about a couple other guys I have here. The other two hitters, these are names that people know, but they definitely could be frustrated with them and potentially maybe they're on the waiver wire. I know Doc in our championship matchup right now you beat me to him. Gavin Lux and Brendan Rogers, two guys that had a lot of prospect hype that haven't shown that they're they kind of delivered fully on it yet. They're kind of getting hot now towards the end of the season. And we've seen stretches like this before with guys that uh, haven't delivered most of the season and then kind of get hot and start building up stuff for next year. Garrett Hampson's the first one that came to mind uh, a couple of years ago of him basically just, what was it like? eight home runs and eight stolen bases over the last few weeks or something crazy like that, that won people leagues. 
Paul, is either of these two guys interest you at all? Or are you kind of like, eh, you know, I'm, they don't tickle my fancy too much. I think I, um, you know, if, if we're thinking about, I think I like Rogers a little bit better just because he's going to get, you know, some time in cores and, and things like that. That always definitely helps. But I think Lux is similar to, I guess the Dodgers are still playing for that division. So they might not rest too many guys down the stretch, but that that's another one where it's a guy who might not necessarily be an everyday starter for them. And they're going to give him a ton of extra run and see if there actually is anything. So I think it could almost be partially for the Dodgers to see if he's in the plans to replace Seager next year, or it could be as a, you know, as a trade chip, if he kind of builds up some value. So I think both those guys are guys I'd be chasing because there's re- there's reasons for them to play every single day. And I think when you get late in the season, that's one of the biggest things you have to focus on is who's going to actually get at bats and who's going to actually play. Because you're, you're every week, every day starter that you've had for, you know, the whole season that's gotten you to this point might not be starting because the White Sox clinched their division today. You know, they might start resting the Abreu's mm-hmm. or Tim Anderson, who's had some injury problems so far this year. You know, you're going to see those guys get a couple days extra. Hey, he homered twice today. Okay. He did. I know. <laughs> I love Tim Anderson, but they're going to give him some time off. Yeah. Can I uh, give an honorable shout out to Jesus Sanchez? I mean, guy has a huge strikeout rate. He also has seven homers this month. So once again, if you're riding the wave of who's hot, I mean, he can give you some solid pump or power. Sorry. You're struggling seven, with words tonight. I know. I know. Seven homers in 19 games this month. Everyday roll. Yeah. Uh, let's the last couple of pitchers I wanted to bring up here. And again, if there was one of them that sticks out to you guys, reliever Chris Stratton of the Pirates, who's gone on a safe binge over the last month or so. And then the two young starters, Joe Ryan and Shane Boz. Shane Boz, obviously one of the most hyped pitching prospects, just had his first start the other day. And Joe Ryan, who's looked pretty good despite the lack of swing and miss stuff that he has. Doc, any of these three, are you looking to pick any of them up down the stretch here? Yeah, I mean, Stratton has been getting save opportunities ever since uh, Bednar went on the I.L., so definitely, you know, pick that up. I think most teams have their closers set at this point. Obviously, the Pirates not in contention. Um, with Shane Boz, it's interesting because that the Rays are rolling him out this late in the year. You wonder if maybe they'll have him pitch like a – I know he pitched five the other day, but if maybe they'll have him piggyback off a starter or if they'll have him uh, go in a game or um, – you know, they're going to make the postseason. They're going to win the AL East. So it'll be interesting how much they have him pitch in the regular season to prepare for the postseason. You never know. I mean, the Rays are the biggest pitching manipulators That's out exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Like it, it's a wild card, but the fact that they brought him up in September to make his debut makes me a little bit more optimistic than I normally am. If you're in any type of league also that has limited starts, maybe they use him in a piggyback role. I know that they just moved Michael Walker to that job, but you never know with them. Uh, this is, you know, for any, again, any type of, of start limit league uh, that you're in. The the Rays, keep an eye on what the Rays do, talking about that, because they'll mix in guys that come in. Ryan Yarborough right now on ESPN doesn't even have his next start listed, even though they say that it's, he's supposed to pitch this weekend. You have uh, Colin McHugh pitching as an opener, and then Colin McHugh throwing three innings to get a save. So keep an eye on that. Paul, you're a smart guy. Between Shane Boz and Joe Ryan, are either of these guys somebody that you're looking to roster or make a, a note to roster here? I mean, it, I think the decider for me between the two of them is kind of what week you're looking for, right? If you're picking them mm-hmm. up now and it's now to the end of the season, then I think it, I, I would take Baz. I think that Baz, I think there's a little more strikeout potential there, even though Ryan did just have what 11 Ks yesterday. 
But Ryan, as it stands right now, lines up for a two-step next week. And mm. that, you know, if, if you're playing in a league where the last week of the season is your championship or, or you're in a roto league where it's a weekly lineups, then I think I'd prioritize the guy that it should be getting two starts next week. Um, but I think overall, you know, Boz has way more upside for strikeout potential, I think. And I think the stuff is clearly electric, but Ryan's pretty much produced ever since he's come up. So I think it's hard to, hard to kind of knock the guy. So I think. It depends entirely on your situation. It's kind of a cop out answer, but it depends on what you can get going, you know, what you're looking for. No, I think it's a good answer and that's fair. The two step, I think also can appeal to people. So if they're looking just to get the extra volume there and they need to chase a certain category, that could be more beneficial. But again, this, the safer place seems like it could be Boz with the, the upside that he brings. So I think that's very fair. And, uh, I think that's a great discussion on a lot of potential guys that you can pick up there. So. Uh, great discussion on everybody's front here, but we're going to move into the next part of the show here, the little bit more fun part of the show, and that's going to start off here with the question of the week. All right, our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Night Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play, so do it as it was once said to me in Aruba, it would be all the pleasure. Okay. So our question this week is, which current player could you see when they retire? They will be the next great analyst on a major network. So, you know, whether it's ESPN, MLB Network, Fox, wherever it is. Paul, who is the next, we want to call it like Tony Romo of baseball analyst who's going to just set the world on fire when they retire i was trying to think of uh, the first guy that came to mind for me was vado but i think he's still a few years away from um you know retiring and actually being um being a part of doing something like that but i think he's a guy who's extremely extremely smart about almost everything that he does in the game and i think he's a guy who i would love to listen to like, he might not be as you know energetic and entertaining as romo may be but Votto's a pretty fun loving guy and i think he could be a, a really great analyst if he stepped into that role I've actually never really heard him talk too much. I know he's a smart guy and he obviously, yeah. but is he like a really, like, does he seem like he's got like a lot of personality to him? I th- he's, I, th- I could be wrong on this, but I feel like he's consistently kind of been involved in joking around with some players and, and some other things like that. I think he's joked around with the media a little bit and he definitely seems just like a, there's always videos of him, you know, interacting with fans and showing you know, how much he cares with that kind of stuff. So I think he could be, he might be a guy who might not get as much, uh, much love there might be some other guys with a little more personality but i think he would be a really great analyst in terms of you know the the game side of things if somebody agree with you yeah <laughs> our guy sage checking in i, I think Votto's a good call and uh he's on board with that doc i think i have a really good one so i'll let you go first who you who is your pick you're not gonna take mine mine's d gordon okay. so a guy that has floated around in the minors this year he's actually been with four minor league affiliates in the nl central so you figure his major league career is probably done at this point, but comes from a baseball family. We had Tom Gordon on the pod. His younger brother, Nick Gordon, is now playing in the majors. And he's somebody that's really passionate about having more of an African-American presence in the game of baseball. And I think the way that you do that besides coaching is to be in the media, to be on TV. And he seems like a pretty smart guy, obviously has grinded his way up to the majors. So I could see him being on like MLB Network or something like that. My guy, I think, I hope he goes into this field because I feel like he would really excel with it. That's Andrew McCutcheon. 
I, you know, I, yeah. I thought about it, but I've used him for too many answers. <laughs> him and Mookie Betts, I use for too many of my answers. Yeah, but Mookie Betts is way, way, way away from retiring. I was trying to pick somebody that's kind of like in, within the next kind of year or two, I think will be retired. McCutcheon has so much personality. He's also a great player. He won an MVP. And I, I just see him sitting at that desk, like Frank Thomas, like A-Rod. But he's gonna have like such that like that spunky personality. He's gonna like say some ridiculously funny stuff. I think he's going to be that baseball analyst that like you can't get enough of whenever you watch. Like, oh, Andrew McCutcheon's like all, calling this game. Like, okay, I'm tuning in type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those that was the first one that came to mind. I don't know if any others popped in your guys' head, but I'm sure there's definitely one where it's like, oh, forgot about him. I mean, but. another one that popped up for me was kind of Yachty, but that's again going on the like. You know, baseball intelligence been in the game for a ton of a ton of time. And, you know, you see when he plays with the Puerto Rican team that he seems to have a really, you know, fun personality. I think a lot of times we see him as more of a competitor than the fun side of him. But I, I think he's a guy who could kind of ex- uh, move into a role like that and maybe not the same level of spunk as McCutcheon or some, someone like that. But I think it's kind of a similar thing where a lot of baseball experience and a lot of success. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the two Dodgers lefties, David Price and Clayton Kershaw, would both be good picks. Yeah, I could see that. Man, they don't have long careers remaining. Let's be real. <laughs> That's true. The one thing I, I am interested on the subject to bring up, though, too, Romo does a really good job of diagnosing plays before they happen and also like diagnosing tendencies that the quarterbacks that he's watching like to do. Is there any like type of analysis like that currently in baseball where they're like, oh, well, they'll show like a graphics of where a guy likes to hit or something, kind of information that the public can find out? Is there a broadcaster right now that's played that could be like, oh, I faced Verlander before. Justin Verlander always likes to attack with a first pitch fastball when uh, when going against lefties. And then watch for that breaking ball is going high and tight down and in. Uh, once he gets that 0 and like someone that that breaks, breaks down players very specifically because he's they've seen them or they've talked to them and kind of gone over their approach. Is Alex Rodriguez right does that poorly. He does it, yeah. but it's it's not good. Doesn't he contradict himself on like oh the all the start, time the start and finish of his same breakdown of a play? Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like a lot of them are too. A lot of the better players are too far out now, right? Pe- Pedro's pretty good at doing breakdowns, but I think he hasn't faced a lot of these hitters. I think what you'll see like a Romo type guy would be a pitcher or catcher who, yeah. yeah. I just had a really good name, and he's not going to retire for a while, but Marcus Stroman I think would be very good. That would be good. That's a really good call. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think the, that kind of an analyst would have to be either a pitcher or a catcher who, you know, you, you might not necessarily have to face the hitter to be able to kind of pick up things in a swing. He he uh, commented on uh, Nick Pollock's tweet today about Juan Soto, Juan Soto not chasing high fastballs, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, you have to attack him low. Like, he has great plate discipline. And I was like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." You comment on Nick Pollock's, but B, that's probably a good observation that he's had. Yeah. So if you're a pitcher and you see that type of stuff, then you know not to even throw a fastball up because he's not going to even look for it. So, yeah. That I mean, except for Luis Castillo tonight. Literally, as soon as he tweeted it, then yeah. first pitch Juan Soto high fastball swing and miss. I was like, "Why'd you jinx him?" <laughs> Maybe he saw the tweet and he thought that's where pitchers were going to start going. Probably. Well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's move to the last segment of the night here. And that's going to be our game of the week. All right, our game this week is called The Last Name Game. I think I've done a pretty good job. We repeat sometimes on this show, but I think we've done probably over 50 to 60, 70 different games on this show. I don't think we've done this one yet. And so what I'm going to do is the player's last name represents what I'm describing. So your job is to basically tell me what that player's name is. It's their full name, first and last name. You can't just say the last name, okay? So how this will work is I, like, uh, this isn't on the list, but if I were to be like, oh, this player's last name represents somewhere where children like to play with other kids and their parents watch them. And if I'm talking about a park, you could be like a uh, home in park or something like that. Okay. That makes sense. All right. All right. So so the last name is the description, right? Yes. The last name is what I'm describing, but you have to say their whole name when you're telling me the player. Okay. Do we just buzz in with our name? Yep. You say your name to buzz in. And whoever buzzes in first gets a shot. If you get it wrong, okay. then the other person gets a chance to answer before you okay. pop back in. All right? Okay. Okay. I've got 11. Uh, I've got 10. I've got the 11th as a tiebreaker if we need it. Okay? okay. All, right. All right. Here we go. Number one. This player's last name represents a cool beverage you'd want after mowing the lawn. Paul. Go ahead. Seth, Seth Beer. That is correct. Nice job of the. Are, are these are these active players? These or? are all yeah. That's a good. These are all active players. I mean, okay. it would it would be way too much of a player <laughs> field if I went and I did like the entire ever heard of play the game. Okay. Where's my uh, where's my correct button? I have uh, this is good. This is good radio here. All right, I'm not going to be able to find it. I have too many buttons on my board here. Anyway, okay. Like I'm not going to give you your correct ding, but. That was correct. All right. Number two. This player's last name represents something that will prevent your pants from falling down. Eric. Go ahead. Brandon Belt. That is correct. Brandon Belt. We got a one-to-one tie. All right. Number three. This player's last name represents something you'd be happy to catch if you were to go fishing. Eric. Go ahead. Mike Trout. That is incorrect. Not the one I have. How? <laughs> Uh, I mean that's a fair answer, but that's not the answer I put. I had two. Okay, well I you. That... Okay, well you, now Paul has a chance to guess the other one. <laughs> that is so stupid. I'll, yeah, stupid. I'll give it to Eric. Go ahead, give your other one. I'm Anthony stopping. Bass. That is correct. <laughs> Anthony Bass is the correct answer. <laughs> was it, were you going to guess that, Paul, or did you have no? No, idea? I was stumped on that okay. one. Okay. All right. Well, that is correct, Doc. So Doc's at a two-to-one lead here. Number four, this player's last name represents something that would go great with a side of fries. A classic meal that goes great, the side of fries goes with it. Very popular American food. Paul? Go ahead, Paul. Brad Boxberger? (laughs) Close, but not the answer I'm looking for. (laughs) Come on, guys. He plays in the American League. Oh, I think I got it. 
All right. Well, we gave Eric the the back to back last time, so we'll give it to you this time. Who you got? Is it Jake Berger? That is correct. Jake Berger for the win there. All right. We've got a 2-2 tie going into question five. This player's last name represents somewhere that you'd like to go spelunking. Paul. Go ahead. Jake Cave. Correct. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Number six. This player's last name represents something that has a lot of kernels on it. Paul. Go ahead. Alex Cobb. Correct. Damn, that's good. <laughs> now, I'm impressed, Paul. I was like, oh no. I was like, don't get blown out. But now Paul, Paul's got the lead now. All right. I have four, two. All right. Question seven. This player's last name represents somewhere with the best baguettes. Eric. Go ahead. Ty France. Correct. Ty France. There we go. You guys like these clues? Are these clues good? These are good. This is a good where game. Did, I like you it. come up with these. <laughs> I literally, when I was uh, on my study period today, I just looked at all the MLB players' last names on the MLB.com. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, anything that I could make something out of. So that's actually like awesome. It. I like it. All right, this one, next one. This player's last name represents something that you put on your bed under your blanket. Eric Paul. Uh, Eric, just beat him. Go ahead. Gavin Sheets. That is correct. Gavin Sheets. We have. I was a, about to say Ben Sheets for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, it would if it had been retired players, that wouldn't have been a bad guess. All right. Well, it's a four-four tie, right? Or wait, who's got the four-four? Four, yeah, it's four-four. Four. Oh well, I'm an idiot, and I only did ten, so I'll have to do a spur of the moment one if, <laughs> if you guys go five to five here. All right, next one. This player's last name represents the most important person in a courtroom. Eric, go ahead. Aaron Judge, all rise. Correct. All right, Paul, you need this one to tie and have me sweat out the bonus <laughs> one here. This player's last name represents something that you can scare or that can scare you off when you see it's expensive. Another word that you could say for cost. Paul. Eric. Go ahead. David Price. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have the emergency tiebreaker one here. I'm pulling up the list of players as we speak. You know what? Paul, you took one more half second on that. When he said cost, I said, mmm. Well, I was like the first clue. I was like, oh, crap. I remember I wrote the second clue. Well, when you said it will scare you, I was like, ghost? Yeah, I was trying to figure out where you're going with that. And then, yeah, Yeah, cost definitely was the giveaway. I figured I would have to expand. All right. Here we go. The deciding one here. This is going to be a very spur of the moment. Okay. Um. I have to make sure it's a player that you guys are also going to guess, too. Okay. I'll be honest. I did not know Jake Berger. I was All like, right, this, right, this one's a little bit of a stretch. This one's a little bit of a stretch, but we're going to... We're, Am we're I going to know the player, though? Yeah, you guys know this player. Okay. When you play a video... This, play, like, this player's last name represents when you don't want to finish a video game, you do this to get to the end. To fast forward in another sense, a game that you don't want to play, what do you do in a video game? All right, well, I'll give you a different one. This is Simulate Lucas Sims. That's where Lucas I thought Sims. you were I, that, That's what I was thinking, but I was like, Simulate? Yeah. Uh, it's short for Simulate. That's that's why it's not going to be <laughs> quite as good. Okay, hold on. I gotta, I'll got i give you another one. Uh, all right. This one you guys will get. 
This player, last name, represents something that Rumpelstiltskin would spin into gold. I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Also something... Oh, wait, 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 wait. That... Eric, Eric, Eric. Go ahead. Logan Webb! No! <laughs> it was uh, Miles Straw. It would turn straw into gold. Oh! No, I didn't... I, you know, I, I'll be honest. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Never heard you, should of said, you just should have just said you drink from it. Uh, I could have said that. I, I'm literally trying to think of it on the podcast. <laughs> I do want to just call it a tie. I'll, I'll give you one more. If we can't do this last one, then... We'll call it a tie. Okay. First tie in, in triple play fantasy potentially. Okay. This last one, you guys will get it's going to be a question of who's going to say it faster. This player's last name represents an animal that would hate to see the color red. Eric. Go ahead. I don't know. I got to be honest. I just wanted <laughs> Why would to you beat say him. your name? I, I just wanted to beat him to it. It's something with the last name Bull. Jake Bull. I'm I'm bad at this. <laughs> well, I think we got to call it at this. I have no idea where you're going with that. We got a tie. Uh, it's Spencer Turnbull. Ah, uh, no. it's, it's not his whole name, but uh, that was the best one I could think of. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, we, we deserve to tie after yeah, this. Yeah, you guys okay. both, for the first time in triple play history, you guys both can share the title. Stupid of me, I thought I put 11 down just in case, but I stupidly put 10, so that was my fault. But great job on the, the first 10 I did, because you guys nailed those pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. That was a weird game, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. A ton of fun having you on. It was a blast for us to be able to record with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a really great time. Of course, and uh, make sure you let the people know where can they find you on Twitter, all the work that you're doing, and any off-season content maybe that you want people to start checking out as we kind of finish the season here. Yeah, you can find me at Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to have some content coming out at Roto Fanatic again soon, and uh, the last couple of weeks I've been doing some saves and steal stuff for Razball, so you can check that out too. Yeah, getting one of the best follows in the fantasy community, so check his stuff out if you have not already. Until uh, next week, we're going to have another great guest on the show. Not sure who that is yet, but I promise you, maybe not be as good as Paul, but it will be somebody that's going to be here and it's going to be fun. So until then, everyone stay safe out there. Enjoy another great week of baseball. And we're going to make like a bread truck and Paul these buns. See you guys in the next one.